morning, Gateway. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're able to be with us. I want to welcome you this morning and those watching in the gym and also those who are joining us online. We're so glad you're able to worship with us this morning. Just got a, three little announcements. First, for youth families, all youth families, got to have your attention. Your kids know about this, but uh, we are going to participate this year with uh, Disciple Now which is a weekend event for teenagers here in Montgomery. We weren't sure if it was going to happen because of COVID this year, uh, but Eastmont Baptist was gracious enough to host it. So it's a three-session time on a, a Friday night, Saturday morning, and a Saturday night. It's going to be February 12th. I believe we have a slide, but uh, February 12th and then Saturday the 13th. And so there'll be three sessions. And so uh, talk to your kids about it. We're going to get an email out this week of all the little details. Uh, but it would just be one weekend. We need a little, you know, sacrifice on transportation for parents to pop back and forth to Eastmont. And the volunteers uh, are, that are helping with your teenagers are going to help on Saturday by bringing them here to the church and uh, having a time of lunch and small group and that sort of thing. But we'll get those details out. But just to be aware, February 12th and 13th. Also want to remind you of a couple of prayer opportunities each week. Uh, this morning at 8 a.m., uh, we continue to meet in room one for prayer, uh, just to intercede for our body and things going on in our city and the region. And then every other week, starting again February 7th, there's going to be prayer at 4 p.m. here in the sanctuary. So next Sunday, which for you Super Bowl fans, you got to tough it up. Super Bowl will be after. You have plenty of time. So to pray, and you can pray for your team. Yeah, you can pray for the Bucks or the Chiefs or just kidding. So... Uh, but next Sunday, you can come at 4 p.m. here in the sanctuary to pray. And Sunday mornings, it's every week over in the gym. Lastly, um, everybody grab a phone. Who's got a phone? You're like, he's letting us pull our phones out. Anyway, just want to remind you guys, um, you have an opportunity to follow us on social media. I know many of you do, but it's a wonderful way for us to communicate with you. Uh, a lot of upcoming events, things going on, prayer requests from missionaries, other things we put on there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we'll have the slide scrolling at the end of the service, which has those different ways to sign in. Um, and so you could do that even during the service. We're giving you permission. Right, Grady? Yeah. Okay. Not during the sermon, though. Okay. Um, but please, we'd love for you to follow us online. We also have a sermon recap and then a great opportunity for all of us. Um, Miss Molly and him do a great job of updating us about the kids' ministry, what they're learning, what they're going through. And even if you don't have children, it's a great opportunity for you to know what's going on and for you to intercede for our children um, and to be able to pray for them and what God is showing them. We're revamping our teenage sites, the, the youth ones. We'll get those up and running here soon. And so we just wanted to provide you an opportunity to stay connected through social media. I ask you all to please stand. We're going to read the Lord the Lord's word and to prepare our hearts for worship through song and just to come before the presence of God this morning. Psalm chapter eight. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, O oh Lord, 
How majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's worship our majestic Lord this morning. Glory to God forever. 
Christ our hope and life and death. Now and ever we confess. Christ our hope and life and
Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection Why should I gain from His reward and I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart and His words have paid my ransom And why should I gain from His reward I cannot give an answer But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom specifically for them this morning, for that you would bless them. And Lord, for our hopes ministry and our partnership with Capitol Heights and the public school system, God, we pray uh, for continued blessing on that ministry, continued growth, continued wisdom as we reach into the lives of people that you've called us to see, to hear, to touch. Lord, the needs there are great as well, but they, like the others, are not too great for you. Lord, grant us wisdom, and for the families that we, meet, that we meet with, for Capitol Heights in particular, Lord, we ask for blessings on them. Lord, for our brother Gary Burton and his church, Pentwala Baptist, Lord, we pray a special blessing on him this morning, that you would speak to his congregation, that you would give him as their pastor patience and understanding and grace. Lord, he has been a faithful minister of your word for a long time at Pentwala, and Lord, we are grateful for him and his influence. On this area and we pray that you would bless him this morning and bless their church for Taylor and Sarah Fox as they continue to minister in Strasbourg France in a place that is considered dark 
the, the lack of people that believe in you, Lord, they are holding out your light in a dark place. We pray for their ministry, for their family, that you would give them blessing. You would give them paths uh, to reach other people with your love. And for the Kluet people of Indonesia, God, who blend Muslim with spirit worship, Lord, we pray that the gospel would reach into this remote community. That, Lord, our uh, the, the ransom that you paid extends across the world, even to the remotest tribes, as you told your disciples, to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, we pray for more people to bring the gospel to those people. And, Lord, as we participate to get today by giving back to you uh, what you've required of us, Lord, grant us faith to see that this is yours. Everything is yours. And we are just giving back what you've called us to do as an act of faith, God. And finally, for Grady, as he also gives back this morning, what you've led him through this week, as he comes to rightly divide the scriptures for us and this great calling that you've given him. Give him the words to say. Give us ears that hear and hearts that want to engage with you. Awaken our minds to see your work. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to see each of you here in the sanctuary this morning, and again, for those in the gym and at home, we welcome you, and so then we get to gather together and study God's Word this morning. Find James chapter 5 in your copy of God's Word or on your Bible app. Friends, we are in our next to last week in our journey through James. Lord willing, we will wrap up our study of James next Sunday morning, and as we wrap it up, the final two verses of James that we'll see next week are really a call for our need for one another to walk in faith, and so it'll be very fitting at the end of our study of James, we'll celebrate communion together. Next week, we'll send you some details on that. Again, because of COVID, it looks a little bit different, but be prepared for that as next Sunday morning we end up our study of James and celebrate communion together as a church family. Now, the past four weeks, James' has concluding emphasis, as he's been wrapping up this letter, has been a call to pray, to pray in all of life's situations. And friends, it's a very fitting end to his letter. After all he's shown us in these five chapters about what it means to walk in faith, how to live out what we claim to believe, the reality we see is that I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this in my own strength, and you can't either. So it's very fitting for James to call us to pray in all of life's situations. Likewise, I can't walk in faith and do all that James has told us to do here in my own in isolation. I need you is to walk this journey with me, and you need me, and you need one another to walk this journey. We need community to live out what James has told us to do. Therefore, we need to pray for one another. Now, before we get into today's text, because today's text concludes what James has been saying on prayer, I want us to see what we've seen over the last four weeks. So look back at James chapter 5, verse 13. I want to just read it together as kind of a quick review so we can see what James is building to this morning. James chapter 5, verse 13. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, we're going to pause right there because that's where we're going to pick up this morning. So all throughout these last weeks, we've seen this call to pray, to pray in all situations. If we're sick, if we're cheerful, if we're suffering in any situation, to confess our sins so other people can pray for us. We've seen this wide command to pray in all situations. As we come to today's text, that begs a question for us. Are we praying like we should? We think about all that James has said about praying in all situations like, friends, are you and are I, are we praying like we should? 
Are we praying for ourselves, for our own holiness and our love for the Lord? Are we praying for our own needs as we should? And are we praying for other people, for their needs, for their love for God as we should? But maybe to help us think through that question as we jump into today's text, let me ask it this way. How much time did we spend praying last week? We think through just the last seven days. How much time did we spend praying alone or with your spouse or with your kids or with your small group or with your friends? How much time did we spend praying this past week in all of life's circumstances? Friends, I've met few people who say, oh, yeah, I pray like I should. I feel like most of us struggle with the fact that we know we should pray, but we don't ever quite pray as much as we feel like we should. There's a great author named Donald Whitney, and I was looking back at some of his stuff this week. We have two of his books in the resource center out there. He says something here that's just really, I guess, eye-opening for us. He says, despite the importance of prayer, statistical surveys and experiences seem to agree that a large percentage of professing Christians spend little time in sustained prayer. A large percentage of professing Christians spend little time in sustained prayer. While they may offer a sentence of prayer here and there throughout the day, they rarely spend more than a few minutes, if that, alone in conversation with God. Friends, why? Why do so many people struggle to pray like we should. We've seen these commands to pray in all situations. Why then is it so hard for us? There could be a lot of reasons. It's probably different for different people. Some, it may be a lack of discipline. We just struggle to be a disciplined people. Some, it could be we lose sight of the nearness of God and His presence. Some, it could be wrong priorities, being busy with the wrong things. Some, it's pride, it's being self-sufficient, not recognizing the need. There's another reason why many Christians do not pray as we should. And James is going to tackle that one this morning. It's quite simply this that we do not really believe our prayers are powerful. Many people do not pray like they should because deep down in our heart, we really do not believe our prayers are powerful. Now, this is not a new problem for American culture today. This is something that James addresses here some, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, writing to people a long time ago who struggle with the same thing that we do. They know the truth, but somehow deep down we lose sight of the fact that our prayers actually change things. Our prayers are powerful. So the question for us this morning is our main idea is this. Do we really believe our prayers are powerful. Now, I know most of you guys, and most of you at least here in the sanctuary, we would affirm theologically that, yes, prayers are powerful. We would say, of course, God calls us to pray, and of course, God answers prayer, and of course, our prayers are powerful. Therefore, we should pray. But not what we say, friends. What do our lives show? Back to our earlier question, how much time do we spend praying this week? If we look at our schedule and our lives and our priorities, do we really believe that our prayers are powerful? Let's look at James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 this morning, because James is going to address our tendency to forget the power of prayer. And I want you to look as we read, how does James try to wake us up to remember the power of prayer, to call us to deeper prayer? So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we do get to talk to you. Father, we thank you that you do call us and invite us to pray about everything and in all situations. God, we thank you this morning for this text that you have given to us and your grace to us to stir our hearts afresh with understanding the need to pray. God, I pray for my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters this morning. God, that you would stir our hearts to see the wonder of what you're inviting us to do, to talk to you 
and inviting us to bring our request before you. Lord, would you stir our hearts afresh to see the power of prayer and to desire it even more, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So do, again, to the question, do we really believe our prayers are powerful? To help us regain that perspective, James does two things here. He just saw in the text. Number one, he tells us, very flat-out direct, prayers are powerful. And then number two, he gives us an example from real-life history of how prayers are powerful. So let's look at those two things, his statement then the example he gives. Let's start with his statement that prayer is powerful. Look back at verse number 16 here. We're going to start in the second half of the verse. We dealt with the first half of the verse last week for those who are with us. But start back in the middle of that. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, this is a verse you would find on coffee mugs when Christian bookstores were still around. You'll still see these framed on some people's houses. You'll see these on little blankets. This is one of those verses that makes it into a lot of different contexts. It looks really cool on coffee mugs and framed artwork and on blankets sitting around our houses. But I think sometimes we miss the depth of what this verse is telling us and is calling us to do. Obviously, on the surface, it is about prayer. He says, the prayer of a righteous person. Now, James likes to change words on us here. This is the third different word for prayer he's used in this paragraph. He likes to keep switching with us. Here when he's speaking of prayer, it's a specific word in the Greek that deals with prayers of petitions, prayers of intercession. You might call it prayers of asking, petitioning God for things we need or desire, interceding, asking God for things other people need. This is a specific word for asking. The asking to God of a righteous person has great power. And don't miss that. God says when we as his children ask him for things, there is great power in that. Friends, we need to let this sink in. This is not exaggeration. This is not some type of overstatement here. James is very directly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling us here the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Now this word power means strength. It means force. It means ability. That when we pray as God's children, our prayers have great strength. Our prayers have great ability to do things. So I was reading on this this week, one of the scholars was going kind of deeper into this word, and it was so helpful. He said there's two key things in this word that we translate power. One, it means inherent power, that the power is inherent to the nature of what's being described. This thing is inherently powerful. But the second thing he said is we need to realize this is not just inherent power in prayer, this is potential power. That is power that is not used unless it is released or tapped into you think about a lot of times you hear in the news, we talk about untapped resources and how much oil there is under the Gulf of Mexico or in Alaska or in Canada. And we talk about the wealth of gas and oil reserves that are accessible, but they're untapped. That potential source of energy does no good till we can get it out of the ground and use it for our cars and our power plants and all these type things. Prayer is like that. It is inherently strong. It is inherently powerful, but it's only potentially strong if it's used. It is not utilized. That power is not released until it is tapped into and when God's children use prayer as he designed, that inherent strength in prayer flows, not in little ways, but in full force. Again, back to verse 16, what he's telling us, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Now, James puts this Azure here to make sure we do not miss it. Their prayers are not just powerful, they are greatly powerful. They have great strength, they have great potential to shape and to change things. Friends, do we really believe that? Do we really pray like we believe we are tapping into this resource of great strength that God has given to us, or is it an untapped resource in our life? Now, to help us grow in praying, James not just, does not just tell us your prayers have great power. He then gives us an example of what he means here, and he gives the example in verse 17. Look back at it. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Now, quick review of our Old Testament history here. Who is Elijah? 
Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Remember, prophets are people who speak on behalf of God to God's people. Now, Elijah prophesied during the time of King Ahab in Israel. This was about 900 B.C. And this was a time when there was a very evil king in Israel. Ahab was a very wicked king. And you can learn more about Elijah's life and ministry in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. Now, Elijah did some really cool things, and I should say God did some really cool things through Elijah. He is the one, if you remember back to your Old Testament stories, he's the one who challenged the prophets of Baal, these prophets of a false religion, to a contest to see who was the true God, the God of Israel or the God of the Baals. And so what he did, remember, he had two altars built, and they put their sacrifice on the altar. He said, okay, Baal prophets, call down fire from heaven from your God. And the Baal prophets run around, and they scream to their God, and nothing happens to them. And Elijah mocks them. Is he asleep? Is he relieving himself? What's going on? Why is your God not answering? And nothing happens. But to show that God is a true God, he then douses water all over his, the altar he's made. He calls out to God in heaven in prayer. Fire comes down and consumes it, and the people see that God is a true God. That's the same Elijah we're talking about here. He's the one who raised a dead person back to life. He's the one who multiplied the oil of a widow. And he's the one who, at the end of his life, did not die as everyone else on earth dies. He was taken to heaven in a chariot and fire. This is the prophet we are talking about here that James is referring to. Now, why does James mention him here out of all the examples of prayer in the Bible? Now, remember, James is writing to, to Christians from a Jewish background. Elijah was like the hero to Jewish people. The stories that they would tell around the dinner table at night would be about Elijah if they came out of a Jewish background. So he pulls out from their history one of the most famous people in Jewish history to illustrate the power of prayers. Because when he said this, even to a, a Jewish background child and said, let's talk about Elijah, they would light up because they would know who he was referring to. And so he gives an example of how powerful prayer is when God's people pray. And look at what he shows us here. Go back to verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Now, that doesn't sound real nice, does it? Of all the examples of prayer, hey, we're going to pray for, we're going to give the example of someone who prays for drought, and the whole earth has a famine for three and a half years. Now, what is going on here? Now, remember, prophets were sent by God, and they were often sent by God to God's people when they had rebelled against God, when they turned their backs to God, and the prophets had a mission from God to call God's people back to himself. This is what was happening at this time. Israel had had great idolatry. They turned their backs on the worship of the true God. Under Ahab's evil reign, they turned to worship the Baals. Ahab had a wife who was even more evil. If you know the name Jezebel, that was Ahab's wife. She led to the destruction of the worship of the one true God. She led people towards the worship of the Baals. It was a very evil time in the history of the Jewish people. So God sent Elijah to wake them up, to help them understand their sins and to bring them to a place of repentance. So what Elijah prays here is not vindictive. What he's praying here is a call to repent. I want you to see this from 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll have the words on the screen for you, but I want you to see in the Old Testament where this comes from. 1 Kings 17 verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Now notice this in 1 Kings 17. It never actually references prayer. There's nothing about prayer in these first two verses, but this is where Scripture interprets Scripture. That either James knows from the historical record, or the Holy Spirit revealed it to James as he's inspired to write this letter to us, that what was actually happening here in 1 Kings 17 was Elijah was praying, and he was sharing with Ahab what he was praying. And Elijah's prayers are powerful. He is standing up 
not for selfish reasons. He's standing up for the glory of God in the middle of an idolatrous people. He's calling for truth and righteousness. He's asking for the supernatural to happen so that God's glory is seen and so that God's people will repent. And God answers the prayer of this prophet in powerful ways. And drought comes for three and a half years, and it leads to a great famine. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 2. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. That this man of God who loved God prays to get the attention of God's people. says, God, don't let it rain for several years. And the rain on the earth stops for three and a half years at the prayer request of a man who loved God. And it led to a famine in this. Now again, this was a call to repentance. This was judgment and a call to repent, which we see later. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 and 18. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? How do you want to be called that by the king? You're the troubler of our country. But notice what Elijah said back to the evil king. He answered, I have not troubled Israel. You have in your father's house because you've abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Everything that Elijah was praying, it was not vindictive. It was to wake up God's people to repent and to turn back to him. What follows then, and I encourage you to read this later in 1 Kings 18, is that whole account of the prophets of Baal. When God sends fire from heaven, that's what follows next. And that becomes a turning point. You take this drought for three years. You have Elijah then showing the contrast between the one true God and the false gods. And it begins to wake up the people. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. If we go back down to that. In the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And that's what he's praying about. He's praying for God's glory to be known. Let it be known that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, have done all these things. What are these things? The praying for famine, all these other miracles I've referenced. We've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. You see what he's doing here? He's praying, but his heart motivation in this prayer is that the people would know who God is and that you have turned their hearts back. So his prayer ultimately is not just famine. It is repentance. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they went on their own way. Now, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. Now, these are the people who are worshiping the Baals. These are the people who had turned back and after three years of famine, then the judgment of God on them and they see the power of God on display. They fall down and they repent. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And what follows is the account of then Elijah slaughtering all the prophets of Baal who had led the people astray on this. But so, he does, so Elijah prays, God answers, Elijah prays again, the people repent. And now that what the desire had been happens, he now prays again and things change. Go back to James verse 18 again because you see the second half of this. Then he, Elijah, prayed again and heaven gave rain. Okay, it's not rain for three and a half years and all of a sudden now he prays and rain comes and the earth bore its fruit. Go back to 1 Kings 18. We see this recorded for us in the historical account here. Verse 45 of 1 Kings 18. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. So you have God supernaturally moving in response to the prayers of one of his people. Elijah prays for no rain. Apparently he was praying for repentance as well. God answers, and the whole earth goes into famine for three and a half years. He, the people repent, Elijah prays, rain comes immediately, and it begins to replenish the earth. Prayer is powerful. Now, back, let's run back to James, though. There's an important clarification we need to have here, and that is prayer is powerful not because of us. 
Prayer is powerful not because it's friends. This verse we've read this morning in James, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working, has been mistaught and misunderstood many times. And if you've ever heard it taught this way, but people have taught, the more righteous you are, the more powerful your prayer will be. Seek to be holy like Elijah, and God will do great things for you too. No, 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 that's not what this verse is saying, friends. And in fact, it's quite the opposite of how we often talk about this verse and see this verse. The point of the verse is not to be more like Elijah, to be more holy, so God will hear your prayers. Again, look at the, the, what it describes here. The prayer of a righteous person, verse 16, has great power as it is working. Now, who is the righteous person here? Think back to what James had just said in the previous part of this verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. The prayer of the righteous has great power. Do you see what James is doing here? Putting these even together in the same sentence here for us, friends? None of us are righteous on our own. In fact, James has just acknowledged that. He's already told us to confess our sins to each other because we need grace for one another. Friends, if our prayers are based on our righteousness, we have no hope of anything being done. If my prayers for gateway are based on my holiness, there's no hope of this church being what the church needs to be. If your prayers for your family and anything else you're praying for is based on your own righteousness, there's no hope of anything happening from that's not what this verse is about. The righteousness we have is because of our standing in Christ and what Christ has done for us. I want you to see Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. This Paul introduces this idea. He says, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now here's the key verse, verse 9. And Paul wants to be found in him, found in Christ. This is not having a righteousness of my own. Okay, don't miss what Paul's saying. I don't have my own righteousness. I don't have a righteousness that comes from the law. That I can't do enough good stuff today for my prayers to become more powerful. I can't choose enough righteousness today for my prayers to be powerful. I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But any righteousness I have or you have, friends, notice this. It comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Isn't that what James has told us the same thing back in James chapter 2, verse 23? In James 2, 23, the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. Friends, any righteousness I have, any righteousness you have, is because Christ has given it to us. That when Christ died, all of our sin got put on him. All of his righteousness got credited to us. So when God the Father sees us, he doesn't see me and my sin. He sees Christ. Therefore, I can approach the throne of grace with confidence to bring my request because I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. That's why if you're a follower of Christ, you can approach the throne room of God and bring these requests and bring prayers. And your prayer is powerful, not because you're so holy and good, but because Christ's righteousness covers you already. Therefore, the righteous person here is the one who belongs to God. The one whom God has called and chosen and forgiven and adopted and is now growing in holiness. And yes, friends, growth in holiness is an outgrowth of being considered righteous by God. If there's no transformation, no growth, then we probably don't have that positional righteousness before God. But for one who belongs to God and that's evident in God growing us, then our prayers are powerful and effective. Now, to make sure we don't miss this point that this is about what God has done for us and not about us, look at what James says at the beginning of verse 17. Try to have a nature like Elijah who prayed fervently. No. Try to be more like Elijah so your prayers are effective. I think that's the way often we hear this verse, our minds go, but notice he intentionally flips this other way. It's not you be more like Elijah. Rather, it's Elijah is just like you. That's what he says here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The very place our mind typically goes, I need to be more like Elijah. James flips it. No, no, no. 
You already, if you're in Christ, you are already positionally with righteous. You're, in fact, Elijah is just the same place you were. His prayers were powerful. Your prayers can be powerful, too. I want to remind us, though, we said some amazing things about Elijah. He does have a nature like ours. He's not some super saint who never sinned. Yes, Elijah was very brave. We saw him confronting King Ahab without any fear and calling him the troubler of Israel. But Elijah also had times of fear. Don't you see it on the screen? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 here. In 1 Kings 19, 3, then he was afraid, and he arose and he ran for his life. So, yes, he was a man who was brave, we remember those parts, but this is a man who actually kind of tucked his tail and ran at one point, because he was fearful of what was happening. Yes, he had great faith that he could challenge the prophets of Baal to this incredible contest, because he was so confident that God would show his glory and his strength. But this man of great faith also had great despair at times. The very next verse, verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here's a man who, yes, had great faith, but he also despaired. Yes, he was a man who had this incredible reputation of caring for the needy and for the poor, but friends, he also had times of deep self-pity. Uh, still in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, he says to the Lord, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, but the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets' sword. And I, even I, only am left. Do you hear the despair in this? There's no one left, God, but me. Here's a man full of self-pity. Look at all I've done, and I'm alone. Where's everybody else, God? Here, yes, Elijah did, God did great things through Elijah. Yes, there are times Elijah had great faith, but he also had times of fear and despair and self-pity. And James is reminding us of that. If we go back to James chapter um, 5 verse 17 Elijah was a man with a nature like ours yes friends he had a roller coaster walk of faith just like you and I do his hope though and the reason his prayers were powerful was not because he was so amazing in his holiness the reason his prayers were powerful is because he was declared righteous by God because of his faith in God and if you and I are in Christ then we are declared righteous by God and our prayers can be just as powerful so go back to verse 16 the prayer of a righteous person Anyone declared righteous by God has great power as it is working. So, friends, if our prayers are powerful not because of us, what makes them powerful? Quite simply, they're powerful because of the one we talk to, because of who has all power. When we pray, friends, we are talking to the sovereign creator of all. We're talking to the one who spoke in the sound of his voice. Everything in the entire universe came into existence in six days in the sound of his voice. We're talking about the one who knows everything past, present, future. He knows every possibility, everything that could have happened that didn't happen. He knows how many hairs are on our head yesterday, and if there's more or less today. He knows that. He knows everything, and we're talking to the one who knows everything and has all power. And so the power in the praying is not in my faith. The power in praying is not in my righteousness. The power in praying is not in your faith or your righteousness. The power in our prayers is who we are talking to, who has all wisdom, all strength, and all power. And as we sang this morning, right before the sermon, the one who's all-powerful has a deep, deep love for us. And he delights in answering our prayers. He delights in doing what we cannot do. He delights in showing himself strong. He delights in showing himself strong on our behalf as he reveals his glory. Because that means we can pray big prayers. But what are some big prayers we can pray? Well, there's a lot we can say to that, but I want to give you a few big prayers that we as God's people could be praying. Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 and 10. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Friends, we can pray big prayers for God's kingdom. That means we can pray big prayers for non-believers we know to come to faith in Christ. 
people that we've known and perhaps prayed for for decades who have yet to bow the knee and trust Christ, we can keep praying to an all-powerful God for God to rescue them from their sins and to save them and rescue them. We can pray big prayers for God's church to be built up, for the gospel to go forth to the nations, for the non-believers of the world like we did earlier to, to follow Christ, for people's lives to be transformed, for God to break sin strongholds in our lives and the lives of others. We can pray big prayers like that because our prayers are powerful. Very next verse in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we can pray big prayers about our needs, about the needs of other people. We can pray big prayers for financial provision and food provision for people who are struggling. We can ask God, who's all-powerful, for provision. Verse 12 and 13. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We can pray big prayers about sin struggles in our life. We can talk to the God who's all-powerful and ask Him to rescue us from our sin struggles, to rescue us from temptation, to give us a way out, to break the chains of sin. In our life, we can pray those big prayers, and we can pray those same things for others. We can pray, pray big prayers like Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, as we think about the lostness of the world and the needs around us here in Montgomery and around the world. When Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of all the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We can pray big prayers for missionaries, for pastors, for counselors. We can pray big prayers for God to raise up from among our children here and from the adults of Gateway, people to take the gospel to the nations, for people to go and to be counselors and, and pastors all across the country. We can pray for one another to be salt and light in our schools and our workplace. We can pray big prayers that God will use us to make himself known to the lostness around us right here. We can pray other big prayers like Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. If you need a good prayer to pray for any follower of Christ, you know this is a good one to pray. We pray big prayers like this, Colossians 1, 9. So from the day that we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, as that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, God's will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We can pray that we would know God's will. We can pray for people we love that they would know God's will. Verse 10, we can pray big prayers that others who ourselves would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We can pray big prayers to a God who can answer these prayers, asking that we grow in holiness, that our children grow in holiness, our spouse grows in holiness, that our friends in our small group grow in holiness. We can pray big prayers and watch God move in these ways. Friends, we can pray big prayers like Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on which, account of which I am in prison. We can pray big prayers asking God to open doors for us to make Christ known to that co-worker, that neighbor, that friend, that family member. We can pray for God to give us opportunities and boldness to proclaim Christ. And friends, I can't help but wonder sometimes one reason why we see so little non-believers turning to faith in Christ is because we're not asking for opportunities. We're not praying the big prayers of God. This week, would you give me an opportunity to make you known to someone who doesn't know you? Friends, we can pray big prayers like we saw earlier in James. James chapter 1, verse 5. If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We can pray big prayers saying, God, I do not know what to do. Please give me wisdom for this situation. And friends, we can pray big prayers like James has just shown us in James chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Are we suffering? Let him pray. Are we cheerful? Let's sing praise, which is to pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Friends, we can pray big prayers. So back to our opening question. Do we really believe that our prayers are powerful? 
Do we really believe our prayers are powerful? Have we let the lies of the enemy get into our mind to convince us that prayer doesn't work or it's not going to be the best use of our time or to convince ourselves that, hey, I can't be like Elijah. I can't be that super saint I know. Therefore, it's not really worth my time. Have we allowed the enemy to get into our mind and cause us to doubt the power of prayer? Friends, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Friends, God invites us, not just one time, but ongoing. As we see all throughout the Bible, the commands to pray are not a one-time thing. They're present tense. Pray and keep on praying. Seek and keep on seeking. Ask and keep on asking. God gives us an open door invitation and a command to pray and keep on praying and to pray and keep on praying those big prayers. Friends, let's pray for more grace to not miss those opportunities. Let's ask God to renew our hearts, to long to be in his presence, to long to pray, to long to talk to him. Let's see what he does as we pray and keep on praying. Friends, as the band comes this morning, I want it before I pray on our behalf, I want you to take a minute to pray where you are. So band members, we want to come on up to the platform. I want you to take a minute where you're seating, seated and go ahead and, and begin to pray. Before I pray on our behalf, before we sing, I want you to take a minute and pray. And would you ask God to stir your heart afresh to rediscover the power of prayer if it's grown cold in your life? Would you pray if you already are experiencing the power of prayer and you already are really sensing God moving to just to sit in awe and wonder of the fact that God invites us to pray and keep on praying, to sit in awe of the fact that God has declared you righteous in his sight, therefore you can pray. Would you take a minute and just talk to God and thank him for the invitation we have to pray? And then would you take a minute to ask him for more grace to experience even more of the power of prayer in your life? And friends, as you're doing that, perhaps there's a prayer that you've prayed before for a child, for a loved one, for a friend, for a situation, you've just kind of grown weary in praying for it. And you need God to reignite your heart, a trust and humble submission to him to keep bringing that request before his of grace. Would you recommit those prayers to him? Take a minute where you're seated and just pray about those things. Father, what an incredible truth we've seen. That we are righteous, not because of us, Lord, but because you have declared us to be so, because Christ has taken the penalty we deserved. Lord, I pray this week for myself and for these precious brothers and sisters that, Lord, you would rekindle in us a sense of awe and wonder at our salvation, Lord. Lord forgive us for just going through the motions of life and church and devotions, all those things that we can do missing the wonder that we are declared righteous not because of any righteousness on our own would you stir our hearts to worship you and to praise you because of who you've declared us to be that we can never have done ourselves but lord would you also stir each of our hearts to go deeper in that incredible invitation we have to approach your throne of grace with confidence but we confess it's so easy to get distracted with things and not pray whether it's what james is talking about here that we've lost really a confidence in the power of prayer Perhaps we're busy with the wrong things. Perhaps it's our pride that we're feeling very self-sufficient. But you know what's happening in each of our hearts. You know what those obstacles are, the schemes of the enemy that have kept us from 
abiding in your presence and talking with you like we should. Or whatever those are, this week, would you begin to break those down in our lives? Or that myself and each of these friends, Lord, that this week, Lord, we would grow in praying, not out of a sense of duty or obligation, but God, out of a sense of just wonder at the invitation we have to be in your presence and to talk to you, the one who has all wisdom and knowledge and strength, and knowing that you delight, as we sang earlier, and you love us. Lord, anchor us in how deep your love is for us. And I pray we'd respond to that this week with deeper prayers. And Lord, I know that as I talk to friends here at Gateway, Lord, there's so many who are carrying so many burdens right now, things that have just been aching in their heart, of situations they don't understand, the pain they're walking through. And Lord, I pray today they would not grow weary in talking to you about it. Today, would your Holy Spirit so fill them that they would see anew and afresh the invitation that we have to be in your presence. And God, these areas where we're weary, I pray we find refreshment in your presence this week and we not give up laboring in prayer. Lord, we ask for much grace in this. Lord, I think of what you've said all throughout James and we keep looking at over and over again that you give more grace. Lord, the hope for me and the hope for these brothers and sisters to, to pray more and to buy more is not in us, but it's in your grace. Lord, we humbly ask, we even think about asking for prayer. We, we pray that we might pray more. We pray for grace that we might pray more. We pray for you to give us faith that we might pray more. We pray that you would give us just conviction that we might pray more. Lord, would you pour out your grace on us so that we are a praying people? And out of that, I pray that we find such delight and would you would just get much glory. So we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in each of our lives this week as we abide with you in prayer. And we ask it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing about who Christ is and our hope we have in him? Christ our Savior, 
sinners like us. God, when we were bought on that cross, Father, we see in Scripture that when you died, that the veil was torn in the temple, God. So we no longer need a mediator, Lord. We don't have to come to a priest to go on our behalf, God, but we can come before your throne, God. We can come before you because of your blood, the ultimate sacrifice, God. No longer needing lambs to be sacrificed on our behalf, God, because the ultimate perfect lamb was sacrificed on our behalf, God. So as that veil was torn, God, now we can come boldly into your presence, God, bringing our petitions before you, God. And then now Jesus is our mediator, God. He is our mediator to you. Father, we are so undeserving. What we deserve is eternal damnation, separated from you, God, experiencing your wrath, God, but in your love and in your mercy, God, and in the grace that you pour out, God. God, you came to this earth and lived the life that we couldn't, God, to be perfection on our behalf, God, to take the sacrifice on our behalf. So yes, God, now we can come to your presence boldly with our petitions, God, and pray big prayers, God. Because our righteousness is found in you, God. So when you look on us now, if we are in Christ, God, if we have been saved and you have set us apart, God, you see the blood of Christ on us, God. So you see your son, our righteousness. So we can come with you with the small things, God, and we can come with you with the big things, knowing that ultimately, God, your will in our lives will be done, God. Because you work all things together for your glory, God. The good and the bad. God, be with us now. Give us boldness, God. God, convict us of sin, God, in our lives to come before you that we can pray and confess. So that we can, God, come to you with a clear conscience, God, with clean hands and pure hearts before you to make our petitions. And give us a boldness, God, because of that hope that is found in you, God. To go and proclaim that gospel, that good news, God that there is hope that is found in you, God. That there is grace found in you, God. And before you, God, we are all sinners, no better one than the other, God. But there is redemption and grace found in your son, Jesus, God, and a hope for eternity in your presence, God. We thank you. So in your name we pray. You guys are dismissed.